Uh, hi, welcome to the class on the U.S. Constitution. I'm Keith, and we're going to talk about the Constitution and some of its history and where it comes from. And we have some students here. We have Amber, Thomas, Jim Bowie, and Grace. So welcome to Rebel Civics and the Constitution class. So the first thing I want to start with is the first step. So I want to talk about where this comes from. So first question, just want to ask somebody, like, what are our fundamental rights? Where do they come from? So anybody want to just take a shot at that? And uh, I'll, I'll just say, so to, to start with, the, the first three, and these are the key rights, life, liberty, property, and the defense of all three. So this Bill is the, the Bill of Rights is a reminder of the rights, but that's not where the rights come from. So we're going to talk about, um, you know, natural rights as the source of rights. Uh, common law is a word you hear from back in the English days. Uh, this is a quote from Sir William Blackstone in 1765. He said, the principal aim of society is the enjoyment of those absolute rights, which were vested in them by the immutable laws of nature. So I do, you do often hear people say that the rights come from the Bill of Rights, but the Bill of Rights is just a reminder that the rights exist because the rights come before the government was formed. People have the rights naturally. So I think that was, was that Amber that asked that or said the Bill of that Rights? Was, that was Grace. Okay, Grace. Okay. It's, it's the most common answer I've taught this class before, and that is actually the most common answer. But the key thing to remember about the Bill of Rights is that it's just a reminder that the rights exist. So what the founders said when they were setting up the government is the rights are natural. They're inherent in being a person. And the purpose of the government is to protect the rights. So the fundamental rights are life, liberty, property, and the defense of the three. So somebody want to answer, why would people want a government? For protection. Yeah, for protection of rights. So that is the uh, a legitimate government that the people create is, is there because want to protect rights. So the next question I want to get into here is the Declaration of Independence, and there's an image of that on the left. So the reason that was written was that the King of England was abusing the, the colonists in the American colonies when they were English citizens, they were British citizens at the time. And they tried hard to get the, the king to stop, and they couldn't get him to stop. And so they eventually gave up, and they wrote the Declaration of Independence, and they declared that that they were free and independent. And the 13 states at the time said, um, we dissolve all of our ties with the King of England. And they sent this to the King and they listed a bunch of grievances that they had against them. And reading the list is, is uh, interesting. And I think we're gonna do a separate class on the Declaration of Independence. But one of my, as a teaser, my, my favorite is, he has sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. That one sounds familiar today. So the last question on here, um, who is first, the states or the federal government? Uh, the states. The states, yeah. Bingo. Yep, the states were first. So in 1776, when they issued the Declaration of Independence, it was 13 independent states all at the same time declaring ind their independence from the King of England. So that's when the 13 states became separated from England. They were also all separate countries then. So that was in 1776 that that happened. The Constitution didn't happen until 12 years later. So the federal government didn't exist at the time, only the state governments, and there were 13 separate states. And we'll do a class on this later. I just want to talk about this as the foundation of the Constitution. So the next uh, question here is the Constitution. When the, when the 13 states were forming the federal government, 
they wrote the Constitution. So a question here is, what is the Constitution of the United States of America for? The people. What do, what do you mean by the people? To protect the people. them. Yep, to protect, protect them. Right. To protect them from who? From an overpowering government. Yeah, yeah. So the, the purpose of it is, as we said earlier, is to protect people from, to protect their rights, protect their liberties. And protection from oppressive government is, is key to the whole Constitution. So if, I don't know if anybody's heard the word federalism before, but federalism is the arrangement which we have in the United States where we have a federal government or a general government. They're in charge of certain things, mostly to do with exterior. And then we have a state governments and all the individual states are, are, are um, in charge of most things. So the federalism is the concept that there's multiple governments and uh, other countries don't have this. Most countries have one central authority that's in charge of everything. And the United States doesn't work like that. And it's the constitution that lays that out. So I think we already said what the federal constitution does, but um, it sets up the, uh, the federal government and the states wrote that. This uh, fourth question here, the, the parties to a contract. So a contract is a legal agreement between, between people or legal agreement between governments. And the parties are the people who make the agreement. So for the federal constitution, who would be the parties to the contract that the constitution is? This is not an easy question. And most people get this wrong. Um, the people and the government. Which government? The federal government. No. So let me explain that. That was uh, Jim Bowie. So the federal government is not a party to it because it was created by it. So the, the, the people is a closer answer, but it's really, it's the states fundamentally, and the people created their state governments. So the, the parties to this contract, the people who made this contract, that's the federal constitution, are the states, and it's the people through the states. So when you first said people, that's actually very close to the right answer. Uh, the federal government could not be part of this because it didn't exist at the time this was made. So when they wrote the constitution after the war for American independence, uh, it was 13 separate countries, separate independent countries. And they were in a union together, but they were not one. They did not have the formal central government that the uh, Constitution set up. Next question. What form of government was created by the federal Constitution? This is another one people get wrong a lot. Just take a guess. A republic? Yep, a republic. A lot of people claim that we're a democracy, and there are a lot of things that the government is doing that is closer to democracy, but the Constitution guarantees or requires a republican form of government. And by re republican there, they're not talking about the Republican Party, which didn't even really exist at the time. They're talking about the form of government where you have a, it's a constitutional republic. It's not a democracy. So the next question is, what is the authority of the federal government cover? And I'm just going to answer that one. It's primarily interface with exterior, like outside the United States. So the federal government authority that the states gave it in the Constitution or delegated in the Constitution is, is protection, so defense, uh, negotiating with foreign countries as far as trade goes, and a few other limited powers. But that's there's a short list of what authority was delegated. One more question on this slide. What makes a law passed by the federal government constitutional? And hear this word all the time. That's constitutional. That's unconstitutional. So how do you answer that question? If somebody asked you about a specific law, like a particular law, 
and you hear people say that's unconstitutional and then you start arguing so what what makes a law when congress passes a law and the president signs it what makes it constitutional isn't it when it uh coincides to the rules that are created by the constitution yeah that's correct so it has to follow the constitution so any federal law congress is not allowed legally to do whatever they want even though spoiler alert sometimes they do but they're not allowed legally to just pass any law they want they don't get to define their own authority so any law that gets passed by them has to follow the constitution or it's not legal one of the founders said over and over again that any law that doesn't conform to the constitution is no law at all that's the way they put it it's no law it doesn't actually matter the uh the picture over here that's a famous painting of the signing the proposed constitution so that happened on september 17th 1787 which is where constitution day comes from i'm going to talk about that a little more but september 17th is constitution day and that was at independence hall in philadelphia which is a fun place to go if you're ever in philadelphia you can go see where they where they where they signed this and the painting shows when the guys who wrote it signed it when they got done on september 17th in 1787 that didn't mean that the constitution was effect in effect or the united states as we have it today exists it just meant that the proposed constitution was was written and agreed on they spent five months hashing out what the details were going to be and then they sent it to all the states for ratification so september 17th is the day that they finished and signed it and sent it to the states but it took another almost another year before it actually became the United States under this constitution because all the states had to ratify it. If the states didn't agree, then it would have never been formed. Any questions on that one before I go on? All right. So the way the constitution's arranged and everybody have their pocket constitutions out or most of you, I got mine. And if you look at the at the Constitution section, if you look at the beginning of it, you see it's got uh, it starts with Article One. So the way it's arranged, there's seven articles, and the first article defines Congress, which is the legislative branch. Article Two defines the President, that's called the executive branch, and we'll talk briefly about what they have to do later. I just want to go through the articles. Uh, Article 3 defines the courts. That's called the judiciary branch. Article 4, and I'm reading the Roman numerals here, um, that's got several things in it. One, one is that it guarantees or requires, I prefer to say, because maybe the piece of paper couldn't actually guarantee it, but the wording they used was it guarantees a Republican form of government. And again, it's not the Republican Party. It doesn't matter which party you prefer or you prefer no party at all. It's still called a Republican form of government. Also covers how new states join or states separate and, and split into two states. That's in that article. Article 5 covers how it's modified. That's done by amendments. We have 27 amendments so far. There's two methods to propose them. One is the states all meet and propose them. The other is Congress proposes them. But either method, the proposed amendments have to go out to the states to ratify, same as the original Constitution was. So Congress is not allowed to change the Constitution because you don't want the the uh, subs the subsidiary, the federal government, changing its own authority. Don't want to let them do that. So Article 5 covers how that's done. Article 6 says, a word you hear all the time, Co Constitution is a supreme law of the land. And that means as... Uh, Jimbo, I think, said earlier, um, all federal laws must follow it. And the last one, Article 7, that's about how the Constitution gets ratified. So as I said earlier, when they finished writing it, they just sent it to the states. The states had to agree to join. Otherwise, they would have just remained separate. And Article 7 says that once nine states ratify it, then the Constitution would take effect. And that happened on June 21st, 1788. So that's almost a year after uh, September 17th, 1787. Um, New Hampshire was the ninth one. 
but there was 13 states. There were still several more. Uh, they hadn't ratified it yet. Um, but the constitutions took effect and the United States, as it's now formed, uh, came into existence in June of 1788. And then over the next several months, the rest of the 13 all, all ratified and then joined too. Uh, on the left, I have a picture. That's Independence Hall in Philadelphia. That's where uh, the Constitution was written and signed. And I took that picture, by the way, a couple years ago. Again, if you're ever in Philly, go check out the room. It's uh, it's pretty neat to see. And then after we saw it, we walked, the, the friend I was with, we went down to City Tavern in Philadelphia and had lunch and a, and a beer. That's the place where after they signed the Declaration of Independence, uh, they all went down and had a, had a meal and a couple beers. Uh, it's a few blocks away. You can walk there. Uh, oh, except I forgot it just closed. I don't know what's, if it's going to reopen, but it's been open since the uh, 1776 and they decided to close it. A little box on the on the bottom here. just wanted to mention how the Constitution's organized. We talked about Article 1 through 7. Uh, they use Roman numerals for that. So I hope you guys are, I hope they still teach Roman numerals. Um it's kind of a formal way of doing it. Then they have sections, paragraphs, and clause, and we use regular numbers for that, Arabic numbers. So sections are one through 10. The Article one is the biggest one, that the one that defines Congress. That has 10 sections. Most of the rest only have three, four sections. Then within each section, there's a paragraph. And then when it, within each paragraph, there's a clause. These guys love to write run-on sentences with commas and commas and commas. So we just call the uh, each piece of it that's just a clause that's like the part between two commas or between a period and a comma so for example you hear the welfare clause the supremacy clause uh, the interstate commerce clause that's a piece of a sentence for with inside a paragraph in a section in an article and i wasn't going to talk about any details on that maybe we'll pick one later and talk about it but that's how it's organized when you hear people talking about it they'll say the section paragraph and clause All right, next I want to talk about the states. So somebody want to answer the question, what is the constitution of your state for? And did you know that your state has a constitution? Well, I'll answer the question then. So the constitution of your state defines how your state government works, what your state government has, has to do. So this is, the authority comes from the people. It's the same direction. So it's the people of the state defining what the state government's role is and what the rules are for the state. All 50 states have their own constitution. The states that are part of the original 13 when the federal government was formed, they all had their own constitutions before that. They had to because they already existed. So the next question, it's very similar to the one I asked about the federal government. Why does your state have its own constitution? Somebody jump in, please. I know you're thinking of a possibility. So just say something that you think is possible. Take a guess. Maybe to give the people more of a say individually so they have more options between state and state. Um, yeah, that's that's close. Uh, I, I would clarify that by saying it's it's the people having the say of what their states do. As far as state to state, um, the state constitutions don't have anything uh, about that. They're actually not allowed to do that because the states are part of the union and a state can't restrict trade with another state, for example. Uh, a state can't, a state is not allowed to make a treaty with another country. And they really don't make treaties with other states either. That's part of why in the United States, you can just drive from state to state. A state isn't allowed to require a passport. A state isn't allowed to impose tariffs. So you can sell across state lines and states are not allowed to do tariffs. That's part of what the states agreed to when they joined the union. 
but as far as having its own constitution, um, as she said, yes, the, the, the state, uh, the people of the state are defining what their state has to do. And the authority of the individual states comes from their state constitutions. So each of the 50 states has uh, a lot of differences in, in what, they, what they can and can't do under their constitutions, because the constitutions have quite a bit of differences between them. And, and of course, you see that. I live in Florida. Uh, Florida and California are a lot different. Uh, Texas and New York are a lot different. Vermont and Minnesota are, are quite different. Um, it changes from state to state. And that's part of the whole experiment of the United States is that the 50 states are, are different. It's supposed to be a 50 state experiment and each state can try different things and see which works out best. And the other states can say, that's a terrible idea or that's a good idea. Maybe we should do that first. So this fourth bullet, I think somebody already asked it, but which constitution already answered it? Which constitution came first, state or federal? State, I believe. State, you believe, correct. And I'm talking about the 13 original ones. So the 13 original states came first. Now, some of them rewrote their constitutions, made modifications to it, uh, entirely rewrote it. But they all had to have something to start with because they were states. Now, if you live in a state that was not one of the original 13, um, then your state may not have even existed even as a territory then. Uh, California, for example. Uh, so the California Constitution actually came after the federal constitution. But the question here, I'm referring to the 13 original ones. Um, the way that a new state like California joins the union is the state has to form as a, as a community. Uh, it grows. Uh, people move there. It starts its own government. Then generally they become a territory of the United States, the way most joined. And the reason for a territory is there's a period of time when a territory joins the union. It's a transition until they come up with a constitution and then they become a state and they petition to be a state. That's true for some states, but not all. Uh, Texas is an example. Texas already existed uh, when Texas joined the union. Uh, it seceded from, from Mexico, became its own state. And then about 10 years later, um, joined the joined the United States. It was already a state when it joined, already had a constitution. So next question, who can change the federal constitution? What group can change the federal constitution? Nobody. <laughs> it can be changed. That's the, that's the amendment process. It's, it's not easy to do, and they did that on purpose. And that's why it's only managed to be changed 27 times, even though there's been thousands of proposals. So no, it's not nobody. It can be changed. The, the answer is the states. For the same reason that the states wrote the Constitution, the states have to approve changes to it. And there are two different ways that changes can be proposed. One is Congress can propose them, which is the way all 27 that we have so far um, have been made. And the other way is the states can get together in a, in a convention or a meeting and they can make a proposal. But either way, it doesn't matter how they get proposed by either of those methods. It's got to go out to all 50 states, and then the states have to ratify it, and then the Constitution could be changed. And it's happened 27 times since 1787 when it started. This last question, and it's not a trick question, and I'm not going to answer it until somebody else does. I want to put these three groups in order of authority from the highest to the lowest. And authority is like who's in charge, like at a McDonald's, the manager's in charge and the French fry guy has a lower authority. So we got three things here. We got the people, the states and the federal government. So put those in order from highest to lowest. Nobody wants to take a guess? Um, I think it's the people, the, uh, the federal government, and then the states. Uh, that's a, that's a partial. You got the first one, right. 
but not are, the next two. Are they already in order? Like, is it the people, the states, and then the federal government? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't, uh, I didn't want to write it down out of order, but yes, they're actually in order in the question. But that doesn't mean that's the answer. It's not supposed <laughs> to be a leading question. I could have tricked you and put them in a different order. But the order that I wrote the question in is actually order. So the highest authority in the United States is the people. The people are the top authority. Next down from that, lower authority is the states, the individual states. And then at the bottom, authority is the federal government. And that's the arrangement of the United States. And that's critical to understanding the, how the United States works and how the federal government works. Now, the when the states delegate power to the federal government through the Constitution, there are certain things that the federal government is delegated a power to do over an individual state. Um, regulate interstate commerce, for example. So the federal government, per the agreement of the Constitution, can stop a state from imposing a tax on another state for selling a product uh, between two states. But the state, if it wanted if all the states wanted to get together, they could get together and change that rule. So that's why it's in, in this order. Because the, And the federal government cannot change, legally change the constitution of a state. It doesn't work like that. But the states created the federal government constitution and the states change it if they want. They have to get together in a meeting and change it. So I put one uh, quote on the, on the left. Uh, this is one of the amendments, actually, the 10th Amendment in the Bill of Rights. They said the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So let me just break that down. So they're talking about the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution. When they word it that way, they're talking about the federal government or the general government, the D.C., people in D.C. So if a power is not delegated to D.C. by the Constitution, or prohibited by it to the states. That phrase is because there are a couple things in one section of the Constitution that says states are not allowed to do certain things. Um, I had marked one I was going to look up and read. I did it because we talk about an article section and paragraph and clause. So if you want to open up your Constitution, just, just so we practice finding one thing. So find Article 1. Section 10, and it's on page 8 in this version. I don't know which version everybody has. And then you see a bunch of semi-clauses in here. So I'll just read one. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation and there's several more in here. So that's the first clause of section 10. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation. That's saying that if a state agrees to be part of the United States, they can't make a separate treaty with another country. And the reason is because the Senate and the president are the ones who make treaties and the treaty applies to all 50 states. So for a state to be a member of the United States, they have to agree to that. So article one, section 10, Paragraph one, clause one defines that. Uh, there's another fun one in here. If you count the semicolons, you can go clause one, clause two is grant letters, clause three is coin money. It says no state, and the way you would read this, because the way they have the semicolons, you'd read it, no state shall coin money. So the, the beginning at section 10 where it says no state shall, that applies to all the things after the semicolon. So the states, all the states are supposed to use the, the U.S. dollar. Actually, it says in here, they should not make anything but gold and silver coin, a tender and payment of debts. But we'll have to set that one aside for now, because right now we use the U.S. dollar, the piece of paper. I did an episode on that, by the way, but that's not part of the classroom. So you see all the, um, everybody understand the, the section paragraph clause part? And assuming you guys know what a paragraph is. So the second paragraph starts, no state shall without the consent of Congress. So that's Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 2. So if you read it, it just helps to understand how it's organized because somebody might tell you, 
Well, what about this that says here in Article 1, Section 10? Paragraph 1, Clause 4. And then you can talk to him about it. And the, and the little image there, that's, uh, that's supposed to be the states keeping a close eye on the federal government. That's what they're supposed to do. All right, job descriptions. So the Constitution actually could be looked at as a job description. And the Constitution defines the job of Congress. So anybody know in a, in a one-sentence line, like, what is the job of Congress? And a hint is that Congress is the legislative branch. All right, I'll answer it. Article 1, Section 8 lists the powers. If you look at it, it has to do with making legislation. So Congress's job is listed in Article 1, Section 8. If you look at Section 8 in your Constitution, and I'll hold, I'll hold it up, it's actually only these two pages in this little short booklet. Article 1, Section 8 lists every single thing that Congress is allowed to do. So when somebody asks you about a law, you know, that, that is a federal government law, and you say, is that constitutional? It's, it's pretty easy to find that out. All you got to do is just open this up, page six on this. It only takes about five minutes to read this. Uh, and this, this describes everything that they're allowed to do. It describes their job. Any questions on that? Would anybody like to read one? If somebody doesn't volunteer, I might have to assign somebody. <laughs> I'll read one. Okay, thank you. The Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises. Yeah, so that's that's one of the powers that was delegated to Congress. Taxes, duties, Duties are on imports, so when you import, that's called a duty. It's really just another form of taxes. And imposts and excises also have to do with trade. Um, these are all variations on taxes, but they're specific words for different kinds of taxes. So having Article 1, Section 8, the Congress shall have the power to, says that Congress has the power to do this. The President does not have this power. The Supreme Court does not have this power. Congress has to do this part. And so that's why I call this a job description. All right, the president's job, that's Article 2. So if you flip a page, uh, you get to Article 2. What is the job of the president? Same kind of deal. Article 2 defines it. And the president's job is in Section 2 and Section 3. So somebody want to read the first line in section two, the job description of the president. It's one of the president's jobs. I can. Okay, go for it. The executive power shall be vested in a president of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years and together with the vice president chosen for the same term be elected as follows. And then it goes into. So that, so then it goes into how, he, how he got elected. So that's saying that the, Executive power is vested in a president. The Supreme Court is not the executive, and Congress is not the executive. Congress makes the laws. The court, court has a different job. So if you flip the page to Section 2, uh, that's one of the job descriptions of the president. I'll read that. It says, the president shall be commander-in-chief of the Army and Navy of the United States. So the president is called the commander-in-chief. So he's commander-in-chief of the, of the military. And now we got a Coast Guard and an Air Force. So he's also the, the commander-in-chief of that. But in 1776, they didn't think about the Air Force. But by extension, we include the, the Air Force under that list. And the last question here, what is the job of the Supreme Court? Anybody gonna guess? To judge if something is unconstitutional or constitutional. Uh, 
Yes. Yes, that's good. It's their cases get brought before them and their job is to review the Constitution and offer an opinion. And the Supreme Court provides opinions. Uh, They don't rule. I uh, sometimes object when people say the Supreme Court ruled because they're not kings or queens. Uh, They provide an opinion on a particular case, whether the question at hand is constitutional or unconstitutional. And uh, sometimes it's very interesting to read the court court opinions because you may not always agree with them. And sometimes they're wrong and sometimes they're right, but they're opinions. So if one of your friends says the Constitution ruled this, say, they're not kings. They provide opinions. So Article 3 defines the job of the Supreme Court. Uh, that's a really short one. It's only uh, one page in the little book, just over a page. And it's uh, Section 2 lists all the things that the um, Supreme Court powers are. Anybody want to read? You can pick one of the paragraphs in Section 2 and read the first line. Need a volunteer. Do, 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 do. Anybody see an interesting one in Article 3, Section 2? I'll read one if nobody wants to. I'll read. So this, oh, go ahead. The judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this Constitution, the laws of the United States, and treaties made, which shall be made up to authority to all cases affecting ambassadors, other public ministers, and consuls, to all cases of an annuality in maritime jurisdiction, to controversies to which the United States shall be a party to controversies between two or more states, between a state and citizens of another state, between citizens of different states, between citizens of the same state claiming lands under grants of different states, and between a state or the citizens thereof and foreign states, citizens, or subjects. Uh, Very good, Thomas. Now, there's a lot in there to take apart, um, but there's really only a couple of uh, authorities in there. So this limits, this is a very strict limit on which cases that the Supreme Court is allowed to take, that the the judicial power of the United States. And you think about all the different kinds of crimes there can be, almost all of them are powers of the states and the state court. There's only a small limit, um, and it lists them all here in Section 2 of Article 3. And uh, you just got through, Thomas just got through about half of them. Um, it's, it's another interesting thing. If you want to know about the job description, when the Supreme Court start talking about something, I like to open up Article 3 and look and see, like, where do they get the authority to do this? Sometimes it turns out they're hearing it anyway, and it's not in this list. But they like to offer their opinion anyway, sometimes. All right, Bill of Rights. Because we're going to do another class on this later, I'm just going to briefly go through this. Um, But somebody want to say what the Bill of Rights is? Recognizes our rights. Uh, recognizes some rights. So it's actually just a limit because it would be impossible to write down all the rights. So but they picked out some some critical ones and they made amendments, which were changes to the Constitution. So the Constitution was ratified in, in 1788. That's when the United States, as we have it now, was formed. Um, but when the um, when all the states were in their conventions and they were discussing whether or not to ratify it, uh, a lot some of the states wanted to limit the federal government better and have a list of things that it was not allowed to do. So it's called the Bill of Rights. It actually a better name for it would be Bill of Restrictions. So it's um, it lists some. So there's some in the First Amendment. You may hear that one all the time. A lot of people are talking about freedom of speech now because the government has been restricting that. That's in the first. Second Amendment, you hear about that all the time. That's on firearms, the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, Some of these others are, you know, I didn't list all 10. Um, 
here, and we'll talk about these more in detail later. Um, and the 10th Amendment we already talked about, that's actually of the 10, that's the one I think is the most important. Just a reminder, that's the one that says anything that wasn't expressly, specifically delegated to the federal government is either a power of the states or the people, which means it's not a power of government at all. So the last question here, if you're familiar with the First Amendment, somebody want to read that? We can find that in the pocket constitution because the amendments are in here too. On my version like that, it's on page 21. Uh, I have it. Okay, go ahead. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of, re of religion or, or prohibiting the free access thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of, of grievances. Are good. So that uh, I think Jimbo himself would have said that one. So they say Congress is not al allowed to make a law when they say respecting and establishing religion. That's just saying they can't talk about religion. They can't make rules about religion. Churches are separate. When they say abridging the freedom of speech, abridging means to to restrict. So Congress is not allowed to censor. So you would read that one. That's the second clause in this. Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free, abridging the freedom of speech and the press. And then there's one about assembly, which means we're allowed to get together. They're not allowed to tell us we can't assemble. So if you want to have a party, Congress is not allowed to make a law tell you you can't have a party. And then petition the government for a redress of grievances. If you got a problem, they cannot stop you from petitioning them to resolve the problem. So that's the First Amendment. So the last question on this slide, how many rights do we get from the government in the First Amendment? Zero. Ah, bingo. I love you, man. Very good. We get zero rights because these are just reminders that the rights exist. These are restrictions on the government. If somebody says my First Amendment right, my Second Amendment right, it's not really a good name for it. You should just say what it is. They have the right to freedom of speech. So the answer is zero. And I could ask the same question about the whole Bill of Rights, all 10. This is why I usually ask this. How many rights do we get from the government in the Bill of Rights? None. None. Yep. Zilch. Nada. Zero. So I put one guy here. He's uh, he's one of the founders that you don't hear about uh, too often, George Mason, but he's the father of the Bill of Rights. He wrote the Virginia Declaration of Rights. Um, Virginia was one of the first states to secede, to, to leave the king and throw off the king. Um, so as I mentioned before, some of the, the states all became independent separately. And then on, you know, on July 4th, when they wrote the Declaration of Independence, that was all 13 of them notifying the uh, the king that they were dissolving their ties with the British government. But Virginia actually left in May of that year. Um, and George Mason wrote the Virginia Declaration of Rights and they did a constitution then. That's when they formed the state government of Virginia, when Virginia became a state. And the Virginia Declaration of Rights is the basis for the Bill of Rights. And George Mason was one of the people that insisted that we add the Bill of Rights to the Constitution after it was formed. Then the rest of the amendments, I'm not going to talk about in any detail, um, but there's 27 total so far. Uh, like I said, there's been thousands of them proposed, but we're only up to 27 because it takes a long time. They have to debate them. They all have to agree. And then all then two thirds of the states have to agree. Then they get ratified and they become part of the Constitution. So I'm just going to list a couple that you hear a lot about. Uh, when I write 13A, I'm talking about Amendment 13. That's a that's a uh, shorthand version for writing amendment. So 13, that was 1865. That's a slavery ban. 14 was birth citizenship. So if you're born in the United States, you're automatically a citizen. Uh, 16, Amendment 16 in 1913, that was a new power, income tax. So we went through the tax um, briefly. Uh, I think it was Jim Bowie that read that. Uh, but income taxes were not allowed under the original Constitution. Um, 
That was done in 1913. So before that, they didn't have income tax, except for a couple of years when Lincoln tried it, and that got shot down by the Supreme Court. Uh, so that was a new power. That's one of the ones we should get rid of. But then I digress. 17 was when the Senate was changed from senators being picked by the state legislatures to popular election. 18 and eight, Amendment 18, 1919. You've probably heard of this one when they made alcohol illegal. Uh, that was an utter disaster. So in 21, Amendment 21, they repealed 18. They realized that we can't do this. That's a dumb idea. But 19 had to do with women voting. States are not allowed to ban that because some states did, some didn't. But uh, in 1920, they they banned states from banning women for voting. And then in 1971, they did the same thing for 18-year-olds, Amendment 26. The picture on the left, that's the that's in the Continental Congress. That's June 28, 1776. It's not a date you hear about often, but July 4th is one that's more popular but in june 28th the uh the four guy the five guys here they were the committee that was sent to sent off to draft the declaration of independence um, a lot of it was written by thomas jefferson he's that tall dude in in the center i don't know them all that i think that's ben franklin uh that's james madison um i don't i don't recognize the other two faces well enough but this is a famous painting. I think it's hanging in Congress somewhere. This is when they presented the draft of the Declaration of Independence. So they had been working on this for a couple months. Uh, and then they hashed out the final words and uh, announced it on July 4th. All right, summary. So rights do not come from the government. So we have the rights. They're natural rights. They exist in us because we're people. All government can do is recognize rights, it can protect rights, or it can infringe on rights. Um, but governments don't create rights, they pre-exist government. A legitimate government is created by the people, and the purpose is to protect liberty and rights. The states created the federal government, not the other way around. You often hear people act like the federal government's in charge of the states, but that's not true, that's upside down. The federal government is defined by the states through the Constitution. So that's what the U.S. Constitution is. It's the definition of what the federal government is allowed to do, and the states provided that definition. We got a constitutional republic form of government, and only the states can change it for the reason I just said. So federalism, that's the divided power. So the states have some powers, and the federal government has other powers. The federal government's powers are limited, strictly limited. So legally, the federal government has a list of stuff it's allowed to do. Those powers are delegated by the states. The states and the people have all powers that were not delegated to the federal government. And I say states and people there because the states have some power because the people delegated them power. And some of the, some of the powers are not the power of any government at all. So those are the ones that people have. Does anybody have any questions? I got a couple. We're going about 40 minutes here. I'm gonna show two slides briefly while you're thinking about questions. Um, Constitution Day. So this is a holiday that started in 2004. I'm gonna call it a holiday because you still have to go to school that day. So maybe you shouldn't call it a holiday. But in 2004, uh, they passed a law that said that every educational institution that receives federal funds for a fiscal year shall hold an education program on the Constitution on September 17th. So we're doing this show as a special for seven for uh, September 17th. So I'm just curious, you guys, if you were in a government school on September 17th, did your school do this? My remember? school never done this never done this i'm at my fifth school ever and never had anything about this well so probably the sixth one won't either but we're going to do it here um yeah i've heard that i i uh, i've heard that from a lot of people so thanks for letting me know um the last slide of here oh i put this in there so if you uh if you feel like telling your, your teachers you can show this to them I put the links here. This is where the law is. 
and I went to the law this morning. Uh, it's a little painful. It's Public Law 108-447. It's on page 3,344. If you can find that, I, I wouldn't attempt to find it. But I did find it. It is possible. It is online. And the last slide here, I just put some links for, for reference. Got to get out of that view. Um, so the first one here, this is the Constitution. This is just the Constitution. It's not commentary. So you can click on that and see electronic version of it. Uh, this is a playlist. So for the Rebel Civic Series, this is the first episode. But we're going to have a playlist here, and we're going to do some other, other things in here, like Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights. Uh, I quoted from the Tenth Amendment Center, some of the stuff about the Tenth Amendment. So I put the link in to there. And then here's the link of the law again for the teacher. And this one on the left, this is just a little bit of advice when you're on the Internet. All these links are good. I've looked at them, but don't believe everything you read on the Internet. And that's a joke, by the way. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Yep, thanks for joining the class, and we'll see you guys for the next class. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science. Scientific and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.